Welcome to The Property Den with Ken and Glenn. Come and join experienced property investors and mortgage brokers Ken and Glenn as they get the answers to the questions you've been waiting to ask. Nothing is off the table as they dive headfirst into all things property related. This is the podcast you never knew you needed, but now cannot live without The Property Den with Ken and Glenn. There you go. It's, do you know what? It's a bit like, that's amazing. What's, what's that? Oh, the ball oh, was that guy that used to run around and be chased by all the women. Oh, Benny Hill. Benny Hill. That's just amazing. Uh, the fact that you even know Benny Hill, such a young man as you, is just impressive to begin with. <laughs> what a start, Glenn. Where did that come from? Don't know. No idea. Right. I, I feel positive today because it's such a negative market, negative news. We've got to, we've got to be the yin and the yang, haven't we, Ken? Is that why you're wearing black and I'm wearing white? <laughs> well, possibly. It's it's not even scripted this. We just make this stuff up as we go along. Um, I think every week now, Glenn, a bit of boop de boop or Benny Hill, something, a bit like the Simpsons. It'll be the same, but a little bit different. Okay. Every week. Sounds good. Sounds good. People are going to tune in just to hear that, aren't they? The pressure. Well, hopefully. The pressure. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea why they really tune in. No. Uh, but on that note, Glenn, we've been getting some really good comments of late which mm, I'm, yep. I'm so pleased and people are just coming up saying oh, i've been listening uh this was really funny this was really interesting um we know we've got some uh, last week we had the question about the mortgage uh, you know is it a good time to become a mortgage broker mm. and all that jazz mm. and um david who listens to us came on give us some really good feedback there he really enjoyed that i mean he is so keen to be yeah. thrown in the deep end and become a broker it's so Hats encouraging yeah 100 mm. um so amazing and it's great that people are listening and we we're loving it but it's been a bit of a transitional week. So to recap, last week, mm-hmm. uh, we were discussing the potential of what might come. We were we were recording just before the base rate um, news and also before the meeting, which was last Friday, uh, which was the uh, the bank's leaders coming together with the government to discuss maybe you know, measures that might be taking place. And we had a really good discussion about what we were hoping would happen. And actually, mm-hmm. we were we were pretty close to the to the general rule of thumb of what they come out with, weren't we? Which you know what is spooky actually how um how close we were because we were saying about all different things with the options with the interest only extended the term and etc cetera, etc cetera. and then the chancellor come out it's, honestly it's like he's listening to this podcast and he he's must, gone yeah. do, you, do you know what actually these guys this is what we have no idea do. what they're talking about <laughs> <laughs> I mean if we think about the options that were available to them um we probably were just it was just a mirror in just because that's all that they really could do apart from saying no oh, let's just pay off everybody's mortgage and then they don't have to worry which would yeah. be amazing wouldn't it so mm-hmm. shall we talk about this uh, then well do you want to start with the base rate or do you want to start with the charter what what shall we discuss first what... so well I'll, I'll mention the base rate you do the charter so base rate has gone up to five percent um it was no real surprise really i think a lot of people thought it might go up 0.25 to make it 4.75 but they just went straight in to five percent but surprisingly um the mortgage lenders sort of predicted that rise anyway so it was very much reflecting in the price that it's in in their current products so there wasn't a huge poor on products no different to what it's been in the last couple of months if i'm honest the biggest thing that's causing the problem i think is um it's just demand for certain rates with certain lenders um obviously it's a tough conversation that people are having at the moment and i'm especially having with customers because no fault of their own no fault of uh, us as, as brokers and it's just a real unfortunate time that if your rates come up while the base rate is going up 
the mortgage rate is generally going to go up and it's um it's just challenging conversation isn't it it is i'm staggered by i mean we do a lot of tiktok i mean everybody that listens probably is getting sick of us saying about tiktok but it is a really strong a strong social platform at the moment mm. and especially for us as brokers trying to impart information and be there as a point of reference and educa- educational tool if you like to help people and it staggers me the amount of people that are saying, oh, you know, my rate is coming up. Do you know what? I think I might go stand a variable for a bit or a tracker and just see, ride it out. I'm thinking, how long are you mm. going to ride it out for? Mm. You know, where do you think this, the top of the wave is? I had a conversation with someone I've known for a long time yesterday, her rates coming up. And she's like, yeah, I don't really want to do a fixed rate. I'm thinking, I'm thinking maybe standard variable, maybe a discounted variable. And like, I was really surprised, but you know, I think everybody's got different thoughts behind what they're going to do. And, different beliefs it's a danger with that is, yeah and i can see why people are thinking it because they don't want to tie themselves in especially if they think the rates are going to potentially go down if they're thinking positively but the other side is that it may be if base rate does keep going up and then it starts getting silly i'm not saying it's going to get to this but let's say it gets to something silly like eight percent with mortgage rates and then you go oh actually i better fix in now you're sort of shutting the stable door after the horse has bolted aren't you you are um and it's it's a real tough one to call. No one can actually call it. No, I mean, listen, I think we always say, you know, do what you do what's right for you, whether it's stay mm. off, go on. You just got to make a decision that you're comfortable with. And if that's what you've done, then that's what you've done. But yeah, so the base rate up to five. Yeah, I definitely see it going up to at least six. I think I, mean, mm. I heard today someone saying six and a quarter. I don't know. It's, I, I, I just, definitely think You just six. don't know, do you? You just got to make a decision sort of mm. now what's right for you. Like you've just said, Ken, and you need to, the thing is the people that are is this even the right phrase is this phrase even used anymore it's sort of dilly dallying where they're going how old are you are you dilly dallying yeah. benny hill dilly dallying yeah the dawdling the diddly daddy yeah and then they're, they're just not getting their paperwork in time and oh they're too busy and stuff the, the, these sort of things are co- costing them potentially hundreds of pounds a month by not being organized so yeah. you just need to get it done whoever's I listening think, yeah when you've got a checklist of priorities this has got to be one of the top ones because it's mm. i mean listen we're in a cost of living crisis everything's compounded and yeah the last thing you need is your mortgage to be even more expensive because maybe you it's like i say to clients now i hate it it's, and we've talked about this before i feel like a car salesman you mm. need to do it now you need to be making decisions now if we've got time we can change it but do the deal now get it in and um, I hate that because it's, I want to give clients time to make decisions, but actually some of these decisions, as you say, are costing people money. So it is difficult, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, it is. It's, it's challenging. Just got it to is. try for you. All right. Well, let's move on then. So as we right, mentioned, the charter. charter, charter, yeah. So the banks and the, um, the government met and they have created something called the, the new mortgage charter. Yeah. Ooh. A bit like, a bit like the Magna Carta, but mortgage charter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not so, so similar so similar it's hard it's hard to distinguish the two <laughs> yeah so the chart has been signed by lenders uh when it was initially done uh those lenders account for about 75 percent of the market um so all the well-known names however as of sort of yesterday when i was reading up on this it's actually increased to 85 percent. and i think it will i think it'll, i can't see anybody not doing it if i'm honest mm-hmm. uh but basically starting from the uh, the 26th of june a couple of days ago uh, no mm. borrower is going to be forcefully evicted from the home without consent unless under exceptional circumstances. So it could still apply, uh, but only under very exceptional circumstances. 
And that's going to apply even if the eviction occurs less than a year from the first missed payment. So there's going to be a little bit of movement on eviction notices. They're going to be giving people time, which I think is really important. So that's one aspect of it. Mm. Um, the other aspect, obviously, is the interest only seg segment, which is they're saying that if you are struggling with your payments and you're on a repayment mortgage and you want to go to an interest only, then the banks are going to allow you to do that up to a period of six months. So that's another angle. And then finally, they're saying, like, we want to allow you to extend your term so that then obviously you will reduce the monthly payments because you're stretching them over a longer period of time. And that's really the bulk of it, isn't it, Glenn? Yeah, I mean, and I think for people that don't know the difference between interest only and repayment, obviously repayment is when you're paying back the um, capital, so the mortgage amount you've borrowed, and you're also included in that, you're paying back the interest, which essentially is the bank's profit for them to lend you that money to buy that property. Now, the bank are definitely not going to say, we don't want to make profit and you haven't got to pay your mortgage for a while. So they still want to know that they're making profit. So what they're saying is that you can pay the interest part back to them so they don't lose out, but it does mean that you haven't then got to pay the actual capital repayment part, which is paying your mortgage off. And that's only for a period of time. So that isn't um, for the whole term of the mortgage, because obviously you're going to have a balance to, to clear at the end of it. And if you haven't got the money to pay your mortgage off, then you're going to need to sell or make some big financial decisions. So this is the risk. Um, at the moment as well of recording this video, it's, it's only for six months. Yeah. So your you know that could change so this from recording this these terms and conditions could change so it's always best to do your own research and have a look or touch base with your broker or us and we can have a look for you um but basically you just got to be really careful with the interest only part and we may touch on this a bit later on anyway but we might as well cover it while we're talking about it mm -hmm. the everyone i've had so many phone calls from people going oh i'm gonna switch my mortgage from repayment to interest only and i said right okay but you you can afford your mortgage though at the moment. Well, yeah, but we can we can then um, pay less every month, and we can use that money to do other things. It's like okay, that's fine, but just be mindful that on month seven, so after the six month interest only payments are finished, on month seven, your payments, your actual payments on your mortgage could potentially go up even higher because you're six months behind of paying your mortgage off, but your terms exactly. potentially yeah. stayed the same. Um, so you may be kicking the can down the road a little bit. And also, what are you going to be using that money for? You know, it, sh it shouldn't really be used for, um, oh, well, I'll go on holiday or I'll go and spend it on X, Y, Z. You know, you do what you want to do at the end of the day, but just be very careful if you're going to take out and make decisions on some of these things that government are doing because it could bite you further down the line. Yeah, and I echo that. I think um, it's about having eyes open. I think that's the way I'm phrasing it at the moment, the clients. If mm. you take the interest only element because you truly need it, happy days. You need it. It's going to help you survive that period of time. Totally get it. If the mortgage mm. is currently affordable, um, why extend the term of the mortgage? Why have that six months of not paying capital having to be stuck on the end? Um, and there's a lot of this, which a lot of this favors the bank. Whilst there is measures that are seemingly helping people, um, actually, the people that are earning the most out of this is banks. So mm. if they've got it, if you're only paying interest, you're stretching the term of the mortgage, whatever it may be, the more you have, the longer you take, the more interest the bank's making. Yeah. Um, and whilst we we want people to be in a position whereby they're, you know, they're safeguarding themselves to the best of their ability, and these measures will help a lot of people, don't get me wrong, I think... A bit like with the uh, the government grants, loans and stuff, when we had COVID, there'd be a lot of people that would say, oh, well, I can do it because it's there, so why not do it? 
and actually they don't think about the the implications the long-term implications Mm -hmm. exactly like you said glenn and it's just about okay guys you want to do it understand the risks understand what's going to happen and if you still want to do it do it um but i'm really i'm really trying to say to people only take it if it is really really necessary because otherwise what you can extend the term of the mortgage if i don't know a single client recently that i've done a, a mortgage for who haven't gone to the maximum that lenders will lend to. Yeah, and you know what? The other thing, and I found this out yesterday when I was doing it for, and I won't mention any names of the lenders, but some lenders are charging clients an admin fee and they have to pay that upfront to extend the term of their mortgage. And that's staggering, isn't it? I was shocked. With consumer duty, so if there are any banks and building sites listening to this, you do know who you are, and this isn't calling you out, but... Consumer duty is about fairness to customers and transparency, which I think is really important. And for people that are in a situation financially where they need to extend the term because they're finding it a struggle with their monthly payments, and then you're charging them an admin fee to just a few clicks of the button on the system, I just think morally is wrong. So just be, again, you know, the point I'm trying to make is before you make these decisions, you may be financially impacted immediately because you may have to find money to pay fees for that privilege. So just make sure you speak to your broker or your bank first and check before you make any decisions or sign any paperwork. Yeah, and with my clients, and I'm sure it's the same with you, we've got a lot of clients who, because this window of opportunities come out with the six, not the six-month interest, let's not get confused, but being able to make a product switch with the same lender or to remortgage away somewhere else, we're all saying, like, you can look at this for most lenders six months in advance. Mm -hmm. And if I've got a deal that's not coming up for renewal till December, I could lock in a deal now and I keep saying, this is the worst it will be to my client. This is the worst rate you'll have, Mr. Client. Uh, We'll secure it now. If rates go down, we'll unlock what we've done. We'll get you a new deal. And then if rates go up, you're protected, aren't you? You're protected against it. And a lot of what the government are offering with this charter is it's a direct thing. You're going to be going direct to the lender to organize a lot of this. But I'd certainly say that if you've got your cheap rate at the moment, just see it through right till the end is till you get close to the end and then if you feel that the new payments that you've secured are actually going to put you in distress uh, financial distress then that's the time to maybe approach the banks and start talking because there's no point while you're on the low rate yeah um, i agree yeah, and you did totally. a, you did an excellent post actually glenn about sort of future proofing yourself uh i think that's mm. a really good way to put it future proofing yeah. against the increase whereby you're saying actually if you're on like a 1.9 or a two percent now why don't you look to maybe overpay now get used to these new payments and in fact you're double double i don't know i don't want to say the wrong thing but basically you're overpaying now which is going to do capital reduction which is amazing Mm. and then later on you won't feel that sort of increase as significant do you want to sort of elaborate on that yeah so the the idea behind it is a lot of people there are a lot of people that i've got two or three years left on their fixed rate and they're probably secretly chuckling to themselves thinking oh what great thing i done there made that right decision you know and, and no one was right no one was wrong you just made a decision at the point of time when rates were generally low no one predicted that we was going to be in this situation so whoever's listening who isn't in this case don't beat yourself up about it there's millions of people in the same position but for people that i have got are on a low rate and do have two or three years maybe left on their fixed rate don't sit on it this is this is my recommendation or can i even say recommendation probably not this is not advice <laughs> this is not advice no but I, it's just an idea and have a think about it that have a look um, and you can go on you can type in google mortgage repayment calculator 
and you can put in the amount of your mortgage and you can put in a rate and it will tell you what your monthly payments would be on that rate. Really, really simple, really easy to do. If you are, say, paying 1.9 or 2%, um, why don't go, you go on that calculator and put in your current mortgage balance and then put in, say, 6%. Just say if your rate was to end and it was going up to 6% in two years' time. See what that payment is. And if you can afford to pay that, then start paying it now. Because what that means is you're reducing, you can make that overpayment. Now, check with your mortgage terms and conditions on your offer and even with your lender because some um, have a stipulation you can't pay over 10% of the outstanding mortgage balance each year, otherwise you'll incur penalties. So make sure you don't exceed that. But with this, you can make overpayments, like a standing order, uh, make an overpayment every month on your mortgage, and that can be the equivalent as if you was paying 6%. You're not. You're currently paying, say, 2%. But let's say you, you've added that on. When your rate actually comes to finish, not only will your mortgage be lower, you will also um the interest you're paying on that loan will be less and also you're used to paying that monthly payment so you've budgeted for two years worth of you're paying that so if it's say two years time and the rate is actually four or five percent then your quid's in because you're thinking actually and you can just continue doing it because you know you can afford to do it if the rate does hit six percent and you think oh okay well i made hay while the sun shines but i'm used to paying that anyway so i'll crack on and you know what my mortgage balance is now X amount less. So actually, it's not going to be as painful when I do the, the move over to the new product. And, and I just even, think it makes financial sense. Yeah. And it might even be that you've shifted a into a different loan to value bracket as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, property values hopefully will have maybe risen again. Who knows? Mm. In that period of time that we're sort of uh, looking at here. So by overpaying, you may have actually reduced your balance enough to actually sit into a different loan to value bracket and the lower the loan to value typically the better the deal so there are can i just i want to add to that actually ken sorry I just, there was a lot of feedback on on that post that i done and a lot of people were saying oh why would you overpay when you can put it in a savings account now at five or six percent and yada 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 that's that's great you know if you're mentally strong and you have a lot of willpower that you can see um a lump sum building up over two or three years let's say for argument's sake twenty thousand pounds and you've got it built up and you think oh, i'm going to pay that off my mortgage at the end of the term that's great but i know for a fact from the amount of customers that we have and people's spending patterns and things can happen in life if you've got twenty thousand pounds for argument's sake sitting in an account and then suddenly you need a new car or suddenly someone says hey do you want to come on holiday we're going to go and do yada yada, yada. it's going to be tempting to touch that money isn't it and then suddenly it could get uh, whittled away and then you think when you get to the end of that period of time, you go, oh, actually, I haven't got as much to pay off the mortgage. Oh, it's not really going to make a difference. Oh, I'll just keep it. And then you're back to square one. Whereas I think yeah. if you overpay the mortgage, it's done. And then, you know, that that that's it. So it's horses for courses. It depends on your willpower. But I would say overpay rather than save. But then again, this isn't advice. This is just your own personal preference. <laughs> Throw it in there just for good measure, just in case. <laughs> Brilliant. So there you have it, guys. Um, a couple of ways to maybe try and mitigate the, uh, the increase that's probably coming your way. So some really good things there. And uh, again, you know, that's a reel that Glenn's done. It's been on LinkedIn. It's on TikTok. Um, you know, you can always pop over there and have a look at some of the stuff that we are doing on the socials. And you'll probably find little nuggets on there that might help. Where um, can we so, find you, Ken? Oh, you can find me at every everything mortgages, the mortgage man. And what about you, Glenn? A Glenn Russell Property on Glenn TikTok Russell. and Instagram. There you go, guys. Abosh. Abosh. Yeah. 
There's a lot of odd stuff being said today. Dalian, Bosch, uh, it's all happening. Uh, what a day. Right then, so let's move on from that. So everybody, hopefully you've got a bit more of a handle on the mortgage charter. There is going to be lots of press about this, um, lots of information out there. Um, funny enough, it's, you know, Glenn, I told you last night because I was so impressed with myself. Uh, I did a reel, funny enough, on TikTok, and I got, I got 30,000 views on it. It's the best, my best ever performing reel. Um, there you go, guys. It just shows. Just need, just need a mortgage charter. <laughs> that's 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 classes going viral. That I know. Classes going I know. viral. I, I yeah, I had to take medication. Right then, <laughs> <laughs> let's talk. Let's talk about this uh, this other thing that's come out, which is um, I don't think it's him personally. I think it's an institute that's got his name, but the Tony Blair Institute for Global Change. So, commentary from the Tony Blair Institute for Global Change has suggested that the UK housing market is in need of long term fixed rate mortgages as a safeguard against rising interest rates. Um, so they're basically saying, look, if we were offering long-term, i.e. 10 years, 20 years, 30-year term fixed rates, that you would secure at the initial outset, and these wobbles in the economy actually wouldn't impact on us as much uh, than it does at the moment, because at the moment, um, ever since I've been a broker, uh, we tend to do two, three, or five-year deals. Mm. And um, I mean, I've had clients say, oh, Ken, should I do two or five? I said, well, if you do two, it's brilliant for me, guys, because it means I can renew you sooner. But at the end of the day, it's your choice. What sits best for you? Is the five the right for you and your family or is it the two? What makes mm -hmm. perfect sense to you? And that's the one that you should do. So a yeah. little bit of a cheeky banter. You know, it'd be nice to have them lock in for a short period because we do get to service their needs sooner. We get paid. Happy days. But a long term fix like this. I mean, that's a, I know outside of the UK, America, some parts of Europe, this is very, very standard. What's your thoughts on that, Glenn? Uh, I just think that it's it's a dangerous slope, really, because I think there's going to be a lot of people that are going to panic and make decisions to go, oh, I just need to know what the what monthly payments are for the next 10 years, which is fine. But unless you know the real, th there needs to be clauses where people can get out. You don't, they don't want to feel trapped. So think, I think if they have access, say, for instance, in two years' time, or every two years of that 10 year fix, like that they release, can like a release clause. Yeah. So they can come out of it and it's not horrendous early repayment charges. Mm. It's a fair, it's just a fee, you know, maybe a fixed fee, something like yeah. that. Um, I think then that would give more stability in the market. I think people as well, th things happen in life. People separate, people want to move house. People want to downsize. They don't want to, uh, these decisions not to happen because they're tied to a mortgage or going to get hit with high penalties. And I know the banks are thinking, Oh yeah, but we, we make loads of money by doing that. Um, but well, there's, <laughs> there's more important things than money at the end of the day. And I think getting the right product for people for their lifestyle is the priority and flexibility. Yeah. Um, and I think it's not a, it's not a bad idea, but I think it has to be really, really watertight for it to work. Otherwise I think it could, you could have a do such a huge divide of people fixing in for say 10 years, not really knowing what they're going into because they're panic stricken. They've made a decision based on a situation in a market like now. Yeah. I think um, that, I think Glenn, sorry, the longest deal I've done of late, and this is when everything went pear shaped back, back end of last year and uh, Barclays were offering a seven, seven year fix. And I did a couple of those, but that was it just a couple. And at the moment we do have this 10 year offering from a couple of lenders, but not many. But when you're thinking 10 years at you know, sort of the high fours, um, it doesn't sound that attractive. 
because everybody's saying, you know what, when, when we get asked the question about the two and the five, Linda, we get this a lot on, on the mm. TikTok lives. Should mm. I do a two or should I do a five? People seem to miss the three. Uh, they tend to be focusing on two or five. I say, look, five years are more you know, cost effective. They're cheaper right now. Two is going to cost you a little bit more. But do you think rates are going to come down? And therefore, do you think paying a little bit more now on the two is going to be advantageous? Because when you come off it, you're going to be on a lower deal, hopefully. Or do you just ride the storm, get the cheapest deal that's cheapest now, which is five. And even if rates do fall, you just have to sort of blinky yourself off to it. Because coming out of it with an early repayment penalty is going to cost you so much. It's going to just negate any benefit of the saving that you're going to get. So you've got to weigh that up, Mr. Customer. And what do you think? To then extend that to, well, actually, do you know, there's a 10-year deal. Do you want to ride the storm for 10 years? I think in 10 years, the market should be better. Um, but as you say, if there's no break clauses, if the exit fees are high, you know, if you think back to 10 years ago for you, I know 10 years ago for me, wow, you know, my life's changed a lot in 10 years. You know, I've moved a mm -hmm. couple of times. You know, the kids have grown, university, this, that, and the other. I yeah, could I've not moved, imagine. I've, I've moved, had two kids, yeah. renovated a house. There's no way I could have done, and this is the honest truth, there is no way I could have done um, a lot of the financial decisions and moves, et cetera, et cetera, if I was in a fixed product that mm. didn't have uh, for a long period of time. It's worked well for me to have two years flexibility because I've been able to plan. And that yeah. even comes down to work, you know, and, and different things like that. So again, it goes back, doesn't it, to who it, who it's right for. Yeah. It's not, not one hat fits all. And I think it's a bit of a knee-jerk reaction, this report, because we've been around a long time. I mean, I've had mortgages since the 90s, and I've always done two or five years typically, uh, mostly two, because, you mm. know, it just was, was right for us. Mm. And um, I think that the, the UK, the way that we're built, I think people, it's a bit like queuing. Nobody wants to queue. Uh, I think we're just built differently to the rest of Europe. <laughs> I think we, this, the long-term stability where you're just going to pay the same rate for 10 years, I just doesn't think it just doesn't sit with us as a, as a country. Um, mm -hmm. But it'd be interesting to hear the thoughts of the listeners. What do they think? Uh, yeah. would, they be, would they be keen to go into a 10-year fix? I'd be really interested to hear the general sort of views of people um, because to my mind, it's, it's a non-starter. Yeah, I agree. And it's just... I think people like flexibility these days because everything is changing all the time. Look what's happened in the last three years in the world, yeah. you know? Um, so I, 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 from feedback from clients that I speak to every single day and generally it is around the two, three, five year fixed. The majority at the moment will go in again, two years, whereas a lot six months ago, we decided to go five years. But then recontacting me saying, actually, before it starts, can I go two years? Yeah, get, that, you, do, that you is, do get that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that is exactly the situation now where people yeah. are changing their mind quickly. So a 10-year fix might not be right for a lot of people. No, but it might be right for some. You might be yes. in your forever home. It might be, you know, you might be of an age now where actually 10 years will take you to retirement and you just want peace of mind security. We're not saying it's not right for some. We're just saying for us personally, it's not right for us. But we would love to hear your views. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, talking about views and talking about people listening, should we move into the question section of our amazing podcast? Yeah, I'm going to fire away with this first one for you. What oh, a great you. name, Toby Jug 2000. Yeah, that's got to be a TikTok. It is. Before you start, we totally missed something last week when I was listening, as we do, to our own podcast because it's so funny. <laughs> yeah. I noticed that we had Johnny H Jazz. That was a band. In the, in the late 80s, early 90s. Do you not know Johnny Hates Jazz? I was born in 82. Oh, you could shut up. 
Who's Toby Jug? Talk to me about Toby Jug. I'm, I'm avoiding that. <laughs> Toby Jug, 2000. I wonder whether that was when he was born. It's possible. Everybody, everybody's so young these days. Is it? I'm looking to try to buy to buy a property at auction um, as the property prices are lower. Is this a good idea? Can All right, you? brilliant. Thanks, Toby Jug. Thank you, Glenn. Uh, Toby Jug, is it a good idea? Listen, if you can pick up a property at auction that is well below the market value, then yes, on the face value, it sounds amazing. Huzzah. And uh, yeah, why not? Why not go for it? However, caveat, you're going to be going to auction. You're going to be putting your paddle up in the air. You're going to be waving it like an excited little teenager. Oh, yes, I've got to get this. But what you're not probably thinking about is, have you read the, the pack? Do you know if there's any other legal costs? Do you know that you're going to have to put 10% down in the, in most exam, in most cases straight away? And do you even know if this property is mortgageable? So if you need a mortgage on this, then the chances are you're going to be running a very tight, tight time frame. So you're going to be running the gauntlet. Are you going to be 28 days? Normally 28 days. Sometimes Mm -hmm. they'll allow you to go past that, but it comes with fees and interest and costs. And if you don't get it all done by the end of that time, you're going to lose your 10%. So you really are an NRS. So I think for anybody that's going to auction, if you are not a cash buyer, you need to have some sort of financial stability, something backing you now, for example, bridging finance, that sort of thing, where you can go to auction and you know that you've got that safeguard there. And if the property is not mortgageable straight away, you can you can do that. You can make it mortgageable and you can refinance it and you can exit the bridge. But it's a very dangerous game, the auction. You really want to have some experience or be led by someone who knows what they're doing and you understand the risks. Toby, mm-hmm. if you still go for it, Toby Jag 2000, I wish you the very best. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's an exciting thing to do. You just got to know the numbers. You got to make sure you're financially, you're okay. You're in the right place. Totally agree. Yeah, cool. Um, right. Okay. So let's move straight on to Reese Patterson, 19880654. Why so many numbers? Uh, what's he saying? Is a HMO easier to get finance, finance on than a traditional buy to let? So is a HMO easier to get finance on than a traditional buy to let? Then what do you think? Um, loads of factors depends on the property uh, depends whether it's the area that it, the property is in it depends on whether there's any stipulation so for instance there's some towns and cities uh, in the UK where HMOs you can't have a HMO anymore so you can't convert a property into a HMO so you've got to find that out first that's really really important if there's a property that already is a HMO and set up as a HMO so um for people who are going what is a hmo listening so it's a home of multiple occupation is that the right phrase occupancy, Close. occupancy. same thing yeah. so- um yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, to the experts <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so basically that means um that more than one person or different people within different families can live in a property so they rent a room essentially you mean like multiple occupants that's it yeah, amazing. yeah. They should name it that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll put it out there to the lenders. Yeah. Um, so yes, in answer to your question, it it can be done if one is already set up or if you've got the 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 parts in in motion where it can be converted to a HMO, depending on the area. So you need to do all that research first. Then you also need to speak to the lender to find out because lenders have HMO criteria, which are different to others. Some are happy to lend on X, Y, Z, some aren't. So it's really important. And I stress really to speak to a broker when you're going down a HMO route, because if you go to a bank, you may be wasting your time because they may not even offer it. A broker can basically filter your options based down to your circumstances and that property. Um, So, and they could do that pretty quickly. Um, 
it's a lot easier to get a mortgage generally on a standard buy to let because most of the time you're just renting it out to one family or one person and it's less risk for the lender it does exactly what it says on the tin you know you're renting out a property and someone's living in it with a hmo again it goes back to the health and st- the fire safety doors you know you've got to make sure this fire exits lit up because there's loads of different people in different rooms there's loads and loads of different things so really drilling it down do your research speak yeah. to a broker and then you'll um you'll be able to get your answer yeah and i think like i said there's a lot more involved with the hmo but lucratively wise hmos mm. generally will earn you more money and somebody asked me on a, a, a tiktok live the other day whether or not buy to let market was was dead and I said, well, it's not dead, but it's sort of lying on the floor with a weak pulse. I really mm. like that. I thought that was good. I thought I was witty and imaginative. And it mm. really sort of gives a description of where I think buy to lets are right now. But HMOs actually are still alive and kicking because actually the rental income that you get from HMOs are much greater. So actually they're meeting more the needs of the lenders from the rental income. So at the moment, I think there's probably more chance for a HMO lender to lending than there is mm. traditional buy to lets, don't you think? But also it can be more aggravation for you. 100%. Yeah, you haven't got like a family, you've got generally, you've got a few people living in there, it can cause you issues. But it's weighing up the pros and cons if you think it's Do right you for research? you. Yeah. yeah, but thanks, Reese. That's an excellent question. So um, we've got this yeah. was a great film. Oh, I you actually this. know this one, do you? I know this one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Bruce's so there's two, there's two versions of that film. Which one do you yes. know? Oh, probably tell, more... tell people what his name is again. His name's Bruce. So this question is coming from a guy who's, I guess, it's a guy called Brewster's Millions. Brewster's Millions, um, which used to be a really great film. I don't know the actors' names. You, Do you know John know. Candy, the John yes. Candy version. It's John was Candy he, and um, Richard Pryor. Yeah. All right. Okay. Did, did you see that one? Did you see it in color or in black and white? Then? Color. Okay. Yeah, that would be the that would be the Richard Pryor version. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Very. So very Bruce, good. Brewster's Millions. Um, <laughs> Why are decision principles needed before going to view a house? We've been told by our estate agent they are only letting people uh, with a mortgaging principle first to go and view the house. Okay. All right. So we've got five minutes left of this podcast. I'm going to try and keep this as brief as I can. So basically, if they are stipulating that they only want people to come with a decision in principle, what they're really saying to you is we don't want time wasters. We want people who are already geared up, ready to go, show that they've got an active intention to buy so by getting the decision in principle you've come to a broker like me and glenn we've run the decision in principle you know what the bank is prepared to lend you you know what your deposit is so you're ready you can go there you can wave it in the face of the estate and say look got my agreement in principle decision in principle mortgage in principle they're all the same thing guys and i am ready and i want to buy this place and this is my offer and i'm serious and therefore you're just not time wasting i think that's the only reason i can see why an agent is going to say, we're only going to let you do this. Now, it might be that this property has already had an offer accepted on it before and it's fallen through and that the person trying to sell is just, they're just mindful that they don't, they don't want to be messed around again. What do you think, mm. Glenn? Absolutely. Yeah. Again, it's about being prepared and planning and making sure you're in the best position, pretty much like Ken's just said. You know, the, the people are is very emotionally charged and they just want to make a decision and go, okay, these people want to buy our property. We're ready. They're not going to muck us about. Let's go mm. with them. If there's someone that's like, oh, I don't know what my finances are like and I don't know how much I can borrow and that. If it was me, I'd be like, right, okay, well, you go and do that. But while you're doing that, that person in front of you is ready. Yeah. So I'm going to go with that person. Yeah. I that's mean, the fact that the agent's saying to you that they want to accept you coming and seeing it without it is one thing. But just generally mm-hmm. viewing properties, 
having your decision in principle does stand you out against someone that maybe hasn't exactly like Len has just said. So why not put yourself in the in the in the driving seat? Why not do yeah. that, Brewster's Millions? Um, but if you've got millions, you may not need us. Uh, no. you <laughs> and in that film, he had to spend all that money. I mean, now what? you could spend a million pounds so easily, but yeah. like then he had to spend. You may not remember. He had he got all this money. He had to spend every single dime because it's American, all the way through. He wasn't allowed anything left, not a cent to inherit more to be able to then get the rest of the yeah. money. Yeah, watch the yeah. film if you haven't watched it. Anyone. What but is we, amazing. But I need I need to rule you in because we've got Mo Donuts. Yeah, sorry, we've got two and a half minutes. Right, Let's what's go. Mo? What's Mo? <laughs> Mo Donuts want? Oh, I'm sorry, Glenn. Apologies. <laughs> I, it's my turn. I've heard that some lenders. <laughs> I've heard that some lenders are now producing offers really quick. How are they able to do this? And others are so slow. Thank you, Mo Donuts. What do you think, Glenn? In our two efficiency, minutes. efficiency with the broker, efficiency with the solicitor you're using, very, very important, um, and also the backlog and efficiency for the mortgage lender. Could be a mortgage lender that's you know got their finger on the pulse and doing really well, and they've got the setup. Um, and there's lenders out there that are pulling their hair out and it's the staffing issues and it's holiday season and they've there's a, a product which is amazing, which everyone wants. So every single broker and everyone is trying to get that product, which means there's this there's too much demand and that can backlog a lot of the things. And again, it goes back to being prepared. So mortgage lenders, when a mortgage broker submits an application, generally the lender will come back and ask for documents. As long as we've got the documents to upload, that speeds up the process. If we haven't, which we haven't got from the customer, that's what delays it. Indeed, it does. And also banks now, if, for example, I had one this week, um, she banks with the bank that we're borrowing money from. Um, you know, they, they see her pay coming in. So they mm. can do a lot of validation internally straight away. They also didn't do a um, inspection. They did a they had enough market data on the property to be able to do what we call an MVA. So they were able to actually do the valuation straight off without going there. She banked with yeah. them. And literally within 48 hours, we had an offer. And it's all because all these things connected. Um, but Glenn's right. If you've got a broker that's got everything prepared, you've got a lender that's very proactive, um, happy days, you can go in. But there are a lot of lenders under duress at the moment. So they are a little bit slower because of the volume of business coming in. Mm. And that's, um, I think, Mo, that's that's really the answer, unless there's anything else you want to throw in in this last 30 seconds that we have. No, left. that's it. <laughs> We're running it close, guys. The mortgage charter swallowed up a lot of time. So that's the end of this week's podcast. If you've enjoyed, please do give us some feedback. We always enjoy it. And it's great to know that you're listening. So do reach out and do tell us. So, Glenn, it is that time, my friend. It is it time is. for it to be wrapped up. So it is goodbye from Ken. And it's goodbye from Glenn. Goodbye. goodbye.